Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. Super stoked to have you here with us today. Hope you're going well. I'm having a I'm having a great day to be honest. I uh, looked outside this morning and I was like, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna have a shower. I'm gonna go for a walk. And then I got up and I got outside for a walk and it just started spitting rain on me and I was like, no. Why the rain? And then I went inside and I put on my new rain jacket and I went back outside and I walked in the rain and then the rain stopped and it was a fantastic day and it's been so much warmer ever since. So anyway, that was a long-winded way of telling you I'm having a good day and I hope that you also are having a good day. We've got a great show lined up for you guys today. We're super excited. Uh, Today we are going to be hearing from Monica, who used to be on The Breakfast Show. Excited to hear from Mon. Today for our Testify segment, hear what God has been doing in her life. We're going to be continuing our story of the Exodus as we follow Moses' journey. And drum roll is, is welcome in your mind now as we just kind of get ready and geared up for the fact that today we're going to be looking at the first of the ten plagues. And we might even get a little bit further than that is the goal. We're going to be looking at how God interacted and what what does Pharaoh do in response to all of these things. So that's going to be exciting, and you'll want to hang around for that. You won't want to miss it. Also, a couple of other quick things is our discussion topic today. We love to hear from you guys. And one of the ways that we can interact with you, that you can interact with us, is by getting involved with our discussion topic for the day. You can call or text in your responses. And our discussion topic today, the question is this, what is your favorite way to connect with God? Are you a nature person? Are you a scripture person, a prayer person? Are you, what? It could be all sorts of things. We'd love to hear from you. What are the ways that you like to connect with God? You might give me some helpful tips for my own spiritual walk. And lastly, we also love to hear from you with questions that you might have that we can look at trying to answer from the Bible at the end of our show in our question of the week section. And uh, we would love to hear from you at any time through the show. You can call in with your response for a question of the week or a response to our discussion topic. And you can do that by calling or texting 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. And the first caller in, not for our discussion topic, but specifically for a question. If you send in a question for question of the week, you will be in the running, not in the running. You will be the free recipient of our prize giveaway today, and we're going to tell you more about that after we listen to this beautiful song by Grace Ulysses, Assured. When I'm feeling down, try to look up. Puts a song within my heart 
Teaching me His promises can be trusted. Listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. This is Faith FM Radio. And I just got to tell you something that happened here at the studio that just freaked me out. So I'm looking out the window talking to Shell, the producer of our show. Shell's amazing. We're going to hear from her in a moment. And I look out the window and I see, I kid you not, two people carrying out this, 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 what do you call that? What do you call that, Shell? The it's, a T-Rex. It was a T-Rex. It was a, like a seven foot tall, flat, like like those 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 flat picture things that they put in a in a shopping center. You know what I'm talking about? Like a like, but it was yeah, a T Rex. So I look over and out of the corner of my eye, I see a dinosaur coming out of the, <laughs> of this doorway, looking ferocious. Anyway, it was just the most ridiculous thing that's happened to me in a long time. So it's now come time for that, in that part of the show for us to talk about what a weird and wonderful world. And that was a very weird thing, yeah, to see coming into the life of Robbie. Anyway. We're going to talk about some weird and wonderful fun facts. And since today, all right, pop quiz. Are you ready, Shell? You ready for I, some pop I am quiz? I'm so ready. You were just telling me during the break that you were a little nervous about not knowing the answers to some of my questions. So I thought we'll start off with pressure. So the question <laughs> is, do you remember what the first plague in the story of Exodus includes? Any ideas? Dun, 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 dun. Oh, oh, turning okay. something into something. Okay, the blood. Yeah, the blood is the first one. That's it. What the, but, so what gets turned to blood? The the water, the, the river. Boom, and what river is that? The Nile. Yes! At least that's what, <laughs> that's what we all assume it is, because when it talks about the river in Egypt, that's pretty much the river. Yep. So that is what we're talking about for our fun facts. Anyway, all right, fun fact for you, some facts about the Nile. Not denial, but the Nile. It is found in northeast Africa. 
And did you know that it is the, well, arguably, the longest river in the world? Did you know that? The Nile is the longest river in the world. Do you take a ballpark figure? Is it, how long do you reckon it would be? Just throw out a number, quick, off the top of your head. How many oh, kilometers no, or miles? No, just, that's... just take a guess. <laughs> I, I, I would... am really bad with distance. Yeah, um, same, same. Must be an American thing. How long is the Mississippi? I have no idea, is but it, it's but the it Mississippi River. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's when you run across the scrimmage line in football. The no one will get that joke here. Um, the Mississippi River is actually the fourth longest river in the world, but the the Nile is 6,695 kilometers from start oh. to finish. Almost 7,000 kilometers. That's like from here to Melbourne seven times, right? Wow. That's, that's isn't, isn't Melbourne around about 1,000 kilometers from here? I think it is. Anyway, next fun fact. The Nile is often associated with Egypt, right? We would mm-hmm. think the Nile, Egypt. Yep. But did you know that it runs through... 11 countries in Africa, 11, including Tanzania, Uganda, Congo, Rwanda, Burundi, Ethiopia, Kenya, I don't know how to pronounce this one, Eritrea, Eritrea, I don't know how to pronounce yep, that, I South Sudan, Sudan, and Egypt, 11 countries from start to finish. It also has two main tributaries. Tributaries are rivers that flow into another river that feed into it. They contribute yep. to the river, right? Um, and those rivers are, or two of those rivers, um, are the White Nile, which starts in South Sudan, and the Blue Nile, which starts in Ethiopia. And they have some hectic waterfalls. I saw some crazy photographs today. So check that out. Look that up, and uh, you can see some amazing waterfalls. The Blue Nile and the White Nile merge together in the city of Khartoum in Sudan, and there it turns into the Nile and flows all the way on. Hectic, sorry, not Flow, it starts. It starts. Before then it that. flows anyway, into the actual It does Nile. flow out yep. into the Mediterranean. Yep. Um, yeah, the Nile has been the source of life for Egyptians basically for the last five thousand years. Every year, it would flood for during in the month of August. Basically, it would rise to flood levels. And basically, when you look at a satellite view of the Nile, and you should look this up at home, like totally look this up on the internet. It's incredible. You look down and you see the Sahara Desert, and then during the season where the floodwaters come up and post that, you see this green strip along both sides of the Nile that goes through, and the whole thing's desert except for this one winding little green strip. Um, and when that water comes up, during that, that period of a, a couple weeks, et cetera, a month, they would, it would deposit enough soil that the Nile would then become a, f- a fertile region. So there you have it. There's some fun facts about the Nile. This is Hillary Scott.
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. You are on Faith FM, and it's come that time of our show where we talk about. I just guess we're talking about. I'm trying to des- describe how this how this works. We, we this is our testify segment where we testify about how God is working in real people's lives today. That's a, that's a good. I should practice saying that one time. So today we've got our friend Monica on on air. Are you there, Monica? Yes, I am, Robbie. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you going? Yeah, I'm good as gold. Good as gold. That's pretty good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Monica, uh, I don't know if we actually ever met in person. I think we may have once, but um, I've heard you many times, and you're a lovely, lovely lady, and we're super stoked to have you on the show today. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Monica. I am currently um, living up, well, living in a van, living in a bus. I've started bus life. I'm traveling around the countryside. I'm so jealous. Seeing what there is to see, I'm just having a wonderful time. So that's amazing. That's where I am right now, amazing. Where are you today? Yeah. Um, today I'm in Newcastle, actually, probably just around the corner from you. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I just passed around from um, Brisbane for a wedding, and now I'm down in Newcastle for a baby shower. And next, I was supposed to be in Sydney to visit my bestie, but I'm not sure I'm going to make it down there with all the rockets at the moment. Yeah, it's so. a little bit difficult at the moment in Sydney, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, that's, yeah. that's, that's very exciting. But that's the great exciting. thing about living in a bus is I can just, you know, switch it up as I need to. That's right. Very cool. Very exciting. Well, I'm looking <laughs> forward to hearing what you have to share with us today. So tell us a little bit about, I, I don't know actually what it is that God's been doing in your life that you're wanting to share, but we're excited to hear. Yeah, I actually wanted to um, share a little testimony from a few years ago, actually, um, about uh, how God got me um, involved in a role in a ministry and how he carried with me because I did pull a little bit of a joiner on him. Um, (laughs) There was a ministry that was trying to get me on board and and, uh, they were hoping that I would work with them and they had contacted me uh, to apply for the role within the ministry. But I have to admit, I didn't really want to. Um, I was a little bit scared and so I thought I'd be really clever and I just wouldn't pray about it because God can't tell me to go if I'm not praying about it, right? (laughs) I don't ask, he can't (laughs) <laughs> so every time they asked me, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll think about it. Um, and then applications would close. And uh, and this went on for oh, 12 to 18 months, just me, you know, shirking these applications and saying I'd, you know, consider it and not really consider it at all. The problem with this behavior, Robbie, as most Christians would know, a little niggling starts in the back of your mind. <laughs> And the niggling just gets louder and stronger and louder and stronger. And so you can't do anything without thinking about the fact you're not talking to God about something important. And um, I know this too well. Applications, I know, right? Applications opened again. And uh, and I, at this time, I, I really considered it because that niggling was just getting in the way of just even thinking about normal everyday stuff. But I was just still too scared and I actually didn't apply once again and I, I let it slide and I, I didn't pray I, I just shirked it I let it go and um, at this point you know the ministry had stopped contacting me they stopped asking me to apply they just thought that I wasn't interested and I didn't you know have the guts to tell them directly that I was just you know giving them the cold shoulder and the run around um, but then I actually was flown interstate I was visiting my family and I was laying in bed really early one morning and God woke me up early, and um, I finally decided to pray. I finally decided I was going to have to jump off this ship to Tarshish and just pray the prayer. And I said to God, if you make a way for me to apply 
because even though applications are closed now, if you make a way, I won't hesitate this time. I'll just jump and you have to catch me. And Robbie, I'm not kidding. 30 minutes later, I was still in bed. It was still dark outside. 30 minutes later, the manager of this ministry called me and said, Monica, the person we hired the last time we did applications didn't even show up. And, and I, just, I, just, I just cut him off. And I said, stop talking. I'm on my way. <laughs> when God answers a prayer that quick, you better answer back just as quick, right? And, um, and so I jumped out of bed and I was supposed to be going to the airport to fly back to my home state. But on in the car on the way there, I actually changed my flight to go and uh, and do the interview for this job. And I kind of like to think of the plane as my whale that redirected me from pastures to Nineveh where I was supposed to be. And, um, and it stood me out in the right place. And um, I did the interview. I got the job. Uh, I flew home the next day. And then 10 days later, by the grace of God, I had successfully moved into state and started working at this new ministry. And wow. that's my story. And I just wanted to encourage anyone who is doing a Jonah at the moment that God does have great things in store for them. And even if they may be scary, just pray the prayer and ask him to help you take that jump, to take that leap in faith. Oh, oh so good. So good. Oh, that's a beautiful story. Beautiful story, Mon. Thank you so much for sharing. And I love, I love what you're saying there, that it's not just applicable to you, it's applicable to all of us, that there are times in our yeah. life where we know God is telling us something and we just can't, we just can't seem to get away from that message that he keeps sending. And, and in those spaces, pray, trust God with it, step out in faith. God will do amazing things in your life that you have no idea about, more than you could ask or imagine. Awesome. Thank you yeah, so and much for that. He's so gentle with us as well. He's so gentle with us. Mm. He could have, like, you know, sent a lightning bolt in that year that I was running away from him. But he was gentle with me and he stayed with me and he carried with me. And, you know, he is good. He is so good to us. Amen. Well, there you have it. So take a lesson off of uh, not just Jonah, but also from Monica. And uh, we're going to take a, a moment to just listen to a beautiful song. This is by Pat Barrett Be Still My Soul. What do I have that hasn't been given? Even the breath I breathe, the mercy of heaven. All that I have is your provision. So be still, my soul. Be still, my soul.
We're the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson, and you can join us every morning on The Breakfast Show. We cover news that matters and do our encounter with God. We also have an intense quiz, great giveaways, awe-inspiring music, and best of all, you can have your say and be a part of the Brecky family. We're live across Australia, so check your Faith FM program for your local airtime. You're listening to Faith FM. Positively different radio. This is a rerun of Real Faith. Make sure you join Thursdays at 3.30 for the live show. Where are you now when darkness seems to win? Where are you now when the world is crumbling? Oh, I, I, I hear you say, I hear you say, look up, child.
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. That was Lauren Daigle, Look Up Child. And uh, we're going to get into our Bible study now, and we are turning to Exodus, the second book of the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 7, starting in verse 14, where we left off from last week. And we're going to start with a word of prayer before we get into it. Father in heaven, I just want to thank you for the privilege we have to study your word and the access we have to it in this country. We pray that you'd speak to us by the power of your spirit, that we may understand and apply what you want us to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So the last, uh, well, we've been doing our series on Exodus for a little while now, and uh, we're going to, oh, you know, I totally forgot. Shell's looking at me in the, uh, I'm really good for being all over the place. Before we get into our Bible study, we've just prayed, but we're going to do a quick discussion response because we love hearing from you. And uh, I'm a little scattered, and I'm, now I'm with it. Discussion response. So the question today is, uh, I forgot. The worship. Um, so uh, what is your favorite way to connect with That's God? That's right. What is your favorite way to connect with God? I'm going to read my favorite one first, I think, from the ones that we've received thus far. Hopefully um, we'll receive some more from um, from you who are listening. Um, but this one's from Lynn, and she says, My favorite way to connect with God is through serving. I teach junior, junior um, class at church where the kids range in age from 10 to 12. Worship in music for the juniors is playing their ukuleles. It was an interesting exercise to begin with, but now they um, absolutely nail it. So proud of them. They never cease to amaze me with the 10-year-old wisdom during Bible study time. Sometimes I think I learn more from them than they do from me. No wonder Jesus said we should have the faith of little children. Oh, I love that. Isn't that beautiful? I remember. Uh, oh, I anyway. love that she's te- that she taught them all to play ukulele. Isn't I te- that cool? I teach um, the primary, which is just one division younger than that. Oh, what a great idea! Yeah, do it. Ukuleles are dime a dozen if you buy them on eBay. Yeah, they don't stay in tune very well, but they they're a dime a dozen, <laughs> and they're great. They're great for learning. Oh man, that's super cool. I love that. One of the ways that we can connect with Jesus is through serving others. It's beautiful. Yeah. Jesus says in I think it's Matthew twenty five. He says when you when you fed the sick when you uh, sorry, when you fed the hungry, healed the sick, visited those in prison, et cetera, et cetera. He says, you, you've done that to me. Isn't that beautiful? What a way to connect with Jesus. Very awesome. Good. I love that. Thank you, Lynn. All right. Now, without any further ado, we are going to get into our Bible study. We've already prayed. God's going to bless us, and um, it's going to be a great time. Super excited about that. So we are going to start off in Exodus. We're in Exodus seven fourteen, and... Um, we are continuing on from our story last time. And um, sorry, I'm just looking at Shell. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, Shell. It's all right. All right, so we're continuing on in Exodus chapter 7, and we're starting in verse 14. And what's happened in the story so far, we've just a quick recap. Moses has gone to Pharaoh under God's direction, and he has made the request Will you please set our people free? God has sent me to you. Say, set my people free so that we can, and, and not even set them free totally, but actually just has requested, let us have three days off to go into the wilderness to worship our God. And Pharaoh has upped the workload. They've gone back now. Moses has had a conversation with God with all of these questions. God sends him off to Pharaoh. He says the same thing. And last last week we learned that in that space, God said, we'll demonstrate Give him a miracle. Give him a supernatural piece of evidence to believe that it's it's actually God who's working. And so he throws his staff on the ground. It becomes a snake. But the sorcerers of Pharaoh are able, by what it says in the Hebrews, there is their secret arts. They are able to do the same things, and they all 
turn their staffs into serpents. And Pharaoh disbelieves. But what's powerful here is not not just that there was a counterfeit miracle that was done by some demonic or satanic agency, but what's really powerful is that the serpent that that came from Moses' staff, that God had made that serpent miraculously come, that one consumed, it ate all of the others, and then he walks out because he wasn't believed. So that's where we left off, and now we're jumping right back in. So Exodus chapter 7, verse 14 starts like this. So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning when he goes out to the water, and you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him. And the rod which was turned to a serpent you shall take in your hand, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now you would not hear. Oh man, this is hectic. So a couple of things that just stick out to me straight away that I think are worth mentioning. Notice that it says that God observes, right? It doesn't say that God hardened his heart in this space. He observes and says, Pharaoh's heart is hard. Isn't that interesting? Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. And I just want to highlight this. God observes Pharaoh's heart is hard. This is not this is not God forcing against Pharaoh's will for Pharaoh to disbelieve. Pharaoh is choosing to respond to the evidences in front of him and he chooses to allow his heart to become hard towards God. This is not God's doing. This is Pharaoh's choosing. I think that's super significant. Second thing to note I think is really interesting is it seems from the text that Pharaoh is regularly going out every day to the Nile River at the time of the sunrise. What's really interesting to note is that the Egyptians had a, a whole pantheon of gods. They worshipped all sorts of gods that they believed had you know, animal heads and human bodies and all of these interesting things. The Nile was a source of life to Egypt. Without the Nile, there would be no ability to... to to harvest plants or crops and to have a culture or society at all. So the Nile was highly esteemed, and he would go out to the Nile at the time of the rising of the sun, apparently to worship the sun god, and he would go in this space. And Moses is instructed, go out at that time. You're going to meet Pharaoh when he's out in that space doing his routine thing. And in that space, I want you to go and speak to him. And when you go, I want you to take the rod that turned into the serpent with you in your hand. And he says that this is what you're going to say to him. Let my people go because you have not heard. And one thing I want to say before we listen to another lovely song is this. He says you would not hear. Now here's the point. Did Moses speak these words? Did Aaron speak these words in such a way that Pharaoh physically did not hear them? Of course not. Pharaoh heard physically the words of God. He saw these this first miracle of the serpent from the staff. He heard, but in the Hebrew mind, to hear without responding is to not hear at all. It's kind of like growing up, my mom would tell me things like, clean your room. And if I didn't clean the room, I heard what she said. Oh, yeah, yeah I heard you. I heard you. But I'm here playing Super Mario. Oh, yeah, I heard you. And then she comes back an hour later, and I'm still sitting there playing Super Mario, and I'm not, you know, like, I haven't done what she said. I heard, but I didn't hear. Because I heard, but I did not heed. 
And the point that's being made here is super powerful. When God speaks and we hear, if we don't respond, then we didn't hear at all. And that's how hearing is spoken of in the, in the Hebrew mind. To hear is to obey. To hear is to believe. But notice also, that doesn't mean that you can't have questions. It doesn't mean that you can't wrestle. It doesn't mean that you can't reason it out with God. But to hear is to respond. This is Braden and Elise Enterman, and the song is entitled, When God Speaks.
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. This is Faith FM Radio. And uh, man, what a beautiful song. Doesn't that, wasn't that just super fitting in what we're talking about? Yes. Hearing God, God's Word, God speaks. Awesome. So we're going to take a moment to hear from you. So uh, our discussion topic today as we're talking throughout our Bible study is what is your preferred way to connect with God? What is your favorite way to connect with God? So what's our next response? I'm, I'm just thinking that pretty much everybody's going to text in Faith FM, right? Oh, that's a great answer. We hope that we can. It's a great answer, and also I, I kind of hope that you can able to connect with God in, in even yes, more significant right. ways than just than just listening. But okay, so Rochelle says going for walks in the bush because it is a peaceful way to connect. So yeah, nature. Oh, her. nature for her. Oh, I tip my hat it. metaphorically to you because I've got headphones over my hat. I love that. I um I can relate to that big time. That's one of my two my two my I'll leave my other one for later. Um oh, isn't it interesting to note that God creates humanity in a garden, right? Mm-hmm. He creates them and places them in a garden. This is the the place that we're supposed to exist and it's interesting that my own experience is that the more time I spend in the city in concrete jungles away from nature the 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 more the busyness and the franticness gets to me but when i spend that time outside in the quiet there's space for me to hear god speak in a different way not that god can't speak to me in the city but but there's something special and profound about being in the created world that i think speaks to us um it just reminds me of romans chapter 1 that says you know there's there's nobody who has not experienced god's revelation because he's revealed himself through the things that are seen. Nature reveals God. I love that. What a cool way to connect with God. Beautiful. All right. So we've just finished talking about how to hear is to respond in the Hebrew mind. And so Moses is instructed to say to, to Pharaoh, you have not heard. Super significant. And the interesting thing is that God hasn't just given up, and that's incredibly important. He hasn't given up. He's not stopped talking to Pharaoh, but he's coming to talk again. Check this out. Verse 17, Exodus chapter 7, verse 17. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood, and the fish that are in the river shall die. The river shall stink, and the Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. Oh, check this out. This is super profound. I love this. This is not the first time that God has said, you shall know, right? Because before, he had said to Moses, by this, the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I, when I bring these, these judgments upon them, when I bring these what are going to be called later plagues upon them, they're going to know experientially know that I am the Lord. And this concept of knowing God, like like think about this for a moment. The word to know that's used here is the same word that's used in Hebrew to say Adam knew his wife and they conceived and bore a child. This idea of knowledge is something that's used to explain not just not just like an intellectual knowledge, it's experiential. It's firsthand. And he's saying that You will know by the things that I'm about to do, by the things that I'm about to reveal to you, Pharaoh, the wicked king, the one in direct opposition to God. The goal here is for you as an individual and all of the people around you to know 
that I am who I say I am. And this is super profound. We talked about this last week a little bit, but the point here is, is super profound. God's, God's reason for responding to the people here in this way, God's reason for coming to Egypt is not just to save God's people who are, who already know him. Point number one, that is one of the reasons that he came here. One reason is that he came to save those who were in bondage. Point number two is that he also came to save those who were not in physical bondage to Pharaoh, but who were in spiritual bondage to Satan by believing a lie and by following Satan's path of selfishness and greed and, and lifting up of self, right? This, this is what God has come to save all of us from, from sin and death. All of these things, it's God's desire for even Pharaoh to be saved. And so I love this. He says, by these things I'm about to do, you also, you also shall know that I am the Lord. This is Grinstead, Jesus I Come. Out of my bondage, sorrow and night, Jesus I come, Jesus I come, into thy freedom, gladness and light, Jesus I come to thee. Oh, oh out of my sickness, into thy health, out of my want and into thy wealth. Out of my sin and into thyself, Jesus, I come to thee. Out of my shameful failure and loss, Jesus, I come, Jesus, I come. Into the glorious gain of thy cross, Jesus, I come to thee. Oh, oh, out of the sorrows, into thy bond, out of life's storms, and into thy calm, out of distress to jubilant songs, Jesus, I come.
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. This is Faith FM Radio, and uh, we're just going to get back into our discussion question. So the question today is, and I, I got to like write this thing and put it in front of me because I always forget. I get all excited that we're going to do this discussion, and I'm like, what is the discussion topic? But today it is, what is your favorite way to connect with God? I had to say all that so that I could remember what I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> so what's our next response? Our next response is from Abel, and he says, it's a threefold for me, singing, because there's power in praise. Mm, it's true. Prayer, because it's connecting me personally, where I can pour out my heart. Oh, it's good. And Bible study, because I find him in, in the Word, where he speaks to me. Mm. I love that. Every answer that's come in has been good, and I'm just loving it. Mm. I love the idea there of the importance of praise. There's this really cool passage. I can't remember where it is. It's one in one of Paul's. It's in one of Paul's letters. I think that he mentions this, and then it's in one of the Psalms that it says this thing that this idea. And um, in the Psalms, it says that you, O Lord, are the one who is enthroned on the praises of Israel. Mm. Right, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Like think about that. When we sing praises to God, we his throne is where he sits. It's where he reigns from, right, this concept. Mm. He says, what are you enthroned on? The praises of your people. Isn't that a beautiful concept? That's beautiful. I love yeah. that. It's epic. Anyway, sorry, I don't know if I explained that very well, but I just love that idea that when we sing praise to God, we are lifting him up. We are extolling him. It's beautiful. And prayer, oh, how, how could prayer not be? You know, it's the opening of the heart to God as a friend. I love that idea. Super cool. And scripture, man, that's my other favorite way. I love I love studying the scripture. So good. So powerful to hear God's words. Love it. And on that note, we're going to connect with God by reading some scripture. So <laughs> we're back in Exodus, and we are up to verse 19. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, over their rivers, over their ponds, and over all their pools of water, that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and pitchers of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. The fish that were in the river died, the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river. So there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Oh, so many cool things to say on this little, on this little passage. So many interesting points. Number one, I think it's pretty amazing that it wasn't just the river, right? He says to Aaron, take your rod, stretch it out, over the waters of Egypt, the streams, the rivers, the ponds. So not only the Nile, but all of their water, including their water that, that is in containers, etc., buckets 
of water, pitchers of water, all of everything that was that was already there was affected. Point number two that I think is really interesting, and and, and I mean I think just one of the things that there is is powerful to note. It's it wasn't just like the 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 water in the Nile had some sort of algae bloom and boom that went red, but none of the other water was affected. Like all of this stuff was affected. Point number two that I think is really profound, in juxtaposition to what we just said about Pharaoh, Pharaoh would not hear God's word, right? He had not heard because he he had not responded. That's the evidence. And verse 20, it says that God had spoke to Moses and said to do all this stuff, and it says, and Moses and Aaron did so. So Moses and Aaron, in contradiction to, in, 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 uh, opposite, oh, it's in contrast, excuse me, in contrast to Pharaoh, they heard God's word and they responded in faith. They believed, and that's evidenced by the fact that they followed. They did what he said. I love that. All right, a couple of other things that I think are super interesting to note here. Think about this. Isn't it interesting that Moses and Aaron do this? They lift up the rod, they strike the waters in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And I love this because this highlights that fact, that, that point that I just made before. This wasn't just about Pharaoh, and it wasn't just about Israel. This was about everybody else in Egypt also having an opportunity to know the Lord. And so when he does this, he makes this proclamation in front of Pharaoh. But guess what? Pharaoh's never alone, right? He's got bodyguards. He's got all sorts of stuff. He's got this situation where he's outside by the Nile doing his thing, and it's in this sight of Pharaoh and all of his servants that this word is spoken and also that the miracle is performed. And it's, it's, it's just something I think is profound. God's not doing things in secret, right? God's doing things in such a way that, it, that he, he and his will can be revealed. His character can be understood. And God's desire is that all of Egypt, as well as Pharaoh, the king, you know, the wicked king, can know who God is. And so he does this in the sight of everybody. And it's really interesting to note, it was so... It was so pervasive that it went through the whole land of Egypt. Not only that, but we're going to find out after this, after this song, after the news, we're going to come back and find out a little bit more about how this impacted Pharaoh's servants. This is Dennis Jernigan, Like a River. Like a river flowing down to the sea Like a rushing wind you flow into me Like the falling of the snow Like the blood that makes me whole Is the love of God that flows into me like a river flowing down to the sea like a rushing wind you flow into me like the falling of the snow like the blood that makes me is the love of God that flows into me. And like a river you come flooding through the desert of my heart. And like the wind you come rushing, blowing life through. 
snow you're falling on me with the blood of your own son and like the sun you come shining making darkness run just like a river flowing down to the sea like a rushing wind you flow into me like the falling of the snow like the blood that makes me whole is the love of god that flows into me and like a river you come pouring out your love upon the field and like the wind you bring the harvest down to take your yield and like the snow you come to winter touching hearts and making warm and like the sun Raise the mighty light to calm the storm Just like a river flowing down to the sea Like a rushing wind you flow into me Like the falling of the snow like the blood that makes me whole is the love of god that flows into me is the love of god that flows into me Are you wondering what to do with the kids this school holidays? Do you live in Lake Macquarie? Well, if you have kids between the ages of 5 and 12, come join Coast Life Adventist Church's free Holiday Kids Club. That's a full week including crafts, games, stories, snacks, and more. Find us at Marks Point Community Hall the first week of school holidays, Monday, 28th of June to Friday, 2nd of July, from 10 a.m. to quarter past 12. For more information or to register, please call or text 0410-877-920. That number again is 0410-877-920. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. You are listening to Faith FM, and in fact, you're listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan on Faith FM. Well, <laughs> um, I'm going to do a shameless plug. You just heard an advertisement for Coast Life Adventist Church's Kids Club, Free Holiday Kids Club. So if you live anywhere, in, if you're living in the Newcastle region, anywhere from like Belmont south to Chain Valley Bay, Lake Menmora, you're within 15 minutes or so of um, where our Free Kids Club is going to be running at. Uh, Marks Point Community Hall. So if we would love to hear from you. If you've got kids or if you know of somebody with primary age kids who'd love to come and attend, please uh, check that out. 
And um, you can look it up online. You can check our Facebook page out. You can also call Katie at 0410-877-920, as it said in the ad. So let people know. We'd love to have you there. It's going to be a great time. Also, discussion question. Before I forget, I have totally forgot to tell you the number to call and text to get us in. So no wonder you haven't been able to respond. So now you would love to respond, I'm sure, to our discussion question, which is, how is your, what is your favorite way to connect with God? But you can also call or text in for our question of the week. And the first caller in today is going to get a free copy of a book called The Exodus Journey, which is written by Elizabeth, Elizabeth Talbot. And this is a book about choosing trust in God over anxiety on our way to the promised land. How do we live with anxiety and not let that overrule us? How do we have a trust that takes us all the way through this life until Jesus comes and takes us to the real promised land? So our first caller in with a question of the week for that is going to receive a free copy of that book. And you can do that by calling or texting 0491-064-669. That's 491 064-669. Zero six four double six nine. All right, what's our next response to the discussion question? Okay, this one has come in um, recently. So this one is from Appy, and she says, Gospel music, stories and lyrics with great musical tones lift my heart and mind upward. Truly a great pickup for me. I might do another one, if, if that's right. You got time? Yep. And Claire says, I love all these ways. Praying gives me peace and hope in my life and brings me closer to Christ. Studying helps me to know Him more and love Him more and serves, and serving shows others the enormity of God's love for all people. I love it. I love it. You know, the cool thing about music that I think is really profound is it connects ideas to the emotions, and sometimes that makes it easier to understand the words. It kind of mm. keeps things in because we remember things that we sing so much more powerfully. Isn't that interesting? I love it. Great thoughts. Okay, we are back in Exodus chapter 7. The water has been turned to blood. And in verse 22, it continues and says some interesting things that take place after this. Verse 22 says, Then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments or secret arts, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither was his heart moved by this. So all the Egyptians dug all around the river for water to drink because they could not drink the water of the river. And seven days passed after the Lord had struck the river. And I just want to make a really important note here. This is the second time in the story that these pagan uh, magicians, these worshipers of the pantheon of Egyptian gods by their secret arts were able to replicate some sort of counterfeit supernatural miracle. And it doesn't even tell us on what scale. Like sometimes people think, oh, this was just one pot of water, but it doesn't actually tell us how widespread they were able to do this. But it does communicate to us a second counterfeit miracle. And I think it's really important for us to note that. So we're going to come back because that happens. Now th- think about this. The first The first miracle was counterfeited. The second miracle, which is actually the first plague, is also counterfeited by these magicians. What's going to happen next? Seven days pass. All the people of Egypt were unable to get water to use that wasn't stinking and, you know, this blood or red, whatever it was, exactly looked like. This, the water turned to blood. They were not able to drink that. So they, they dug for themselves, it seems, wells. They dug to get water out, 
you know, you can do that. It doesn't have to be a well specifically, but if you're near a water source, you dig deep enough, that moisture pervades out sideways from the river and you can access some of that by digging into the ground to get to that moisture. So they were unable to get water for seven days. This is going on. And uh, this is, we're going to take a moment to listen to a song here, give you guys a moment to think about that. This is Lee Nash, Song of Moses.
This is Robbie Morgan on Real Faith. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. And uh, before we get back into our Bible study, we're going to have a quick discussion response to our question for the day, which is, how do you like to connect with God? What do we have for our next response there, Shell? So this one's coming from Lyle, and he says, I love the stories and history in the Bible. So many great lessons from real experiences that help me connect with God. And Daniel says, researching truth and listening to sermons is his favorite. Very cool. You know, I think the thing that connects with all of these things so far is that I like all of these. And um, what's really neat is that these are all ways that we can connect with God, different things, you know, somebody's commentaries on on scripture through a sermon, et cetera, like, like kind of like what we're doing today on the on air, doing a Bible study, uh, studying scripture for ourselves, praising God, studying history, studying the prophecies, singing, doing service. All of these things are ways that we can connect with God. And I love that it doesn't have to be your favorite way to still be a meaningful way. Isn't that cool? Mm. That everybody connects differently with God in terms of what's most most applicable to them at this moment, but that might even change in the future. It might be another thing that becomes your favorite thing for that time. Yeah, that's but right. But those are all ways that we can connect with God. I love it. That's beautiful. Also, before you uh, run too far away, uh, keep your phones handy for you because you can call in and let us know your responses to that question What? because we'd love to know from you what is your favorite way to connect with God. But also, we would love to have questions coming in from you about things that you would like to know, questions that you might have about God, about the Bible, about Jesus, about the Christian walk, all any, any of these kinds of things. Um, you can send in a question, no question too big or too small for us to consider, and you can do that. And uh, by calling or texting 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. The first caller in with our question of the week is going to receive a free copy of a book about the Exodus journey. You know, the comparison of, of the story of Exodus to our own lives following Jesus, waiting for his coming. And how do we trust him rather than living a life that is riddled with anxiety? Anxiety is through the roof in our Western culture, higher than it's ever been. I've experienced it. I'm sure you've experienced it. And the reality is we all need some solutions to that, and Jesus is the ultimate solution. So if you'd like to learn more about that, send us a question for Question of the Week, and you can get your hands on a copy of that book. All right, we're back into Exodus, and we're going to do something a little daring, and we're going to go more than one chapter, and we're going to see how we go. And we are now continuing the story. The plague of the blood, the first plague, has happened We're in Exodus chapter 8, and it reads, And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. So the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house, into your bedroom, onto your bed, into the houses of your servants, on your people, into your ovens, and into your kneading bowls. It's quite a list. And the frogs shall come up on you, on your people, and on all your servants. This is super interesting. One of the things that comes across in many of the plagues, and perhaps all of them, and we just may not know all the history to be able to check this, but the the Nile River, for example, was supposed to be the embodiment, and let me see if I can remember the name of this this god or goddess that they had named Hopi, and it was supposed to be the embodiment of this god of fertility and of reason and of truth and balance, right? And another god, Ma'at, and I might be getting them confused, but 
when God demonstrates the power over the Nile River to turn the waters into blood, he's demonstrating that he is more powerful than the gods that the Egyptians served and followed. Now here, they have a second god, they have many gods, but one of their gods was in the, depicted in the image of a frog, and its name was Heket. And it was the Egyptian goddess of fertility and childbirth. It was represented by a frog or by a woman with a frog's head. So notice the second plague, God is demonstrating, I have power over the things that you deify as your gods. I can control what they do. Isn't that a powerful way for God to state, I am the real God. What you're serving is not who I am. I'm the creator of all things. So he demonstrates this by attacking, it seems, the very things that they worship and hold dear to demonstrate that he has control over even those areas. Then it continues in verse 5, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And notice this, counterfeit miracle number 3, verse 7, And the magicians did so with their enchantments or secret arts and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. So second plague, same thing. This is the third time that a counterfeit miracle has been done by these worshipers of the pagan deities of Egypt. Verse 8, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. And I think it's just really interesting to note here, just real quickly. Isn't it interesting? His magicians were able to recreate the plagues at some level, at some capacity. However, they were not able to make it go away. He has to come and ask for the God of Israel to be the one to come and stop the plague, to stop this problem. So even though Satan has the ability to do some things, there are limits to his power. Isn't that powerful? God has no limitations on his power except what he restricts of himself out of love and to allow for free will, etc. But Satan has boundaries that God is in control of. Then it continues and it says this, And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying when I shall intercede for you, for your servants and for your people, to destroy the frogs from you and your houses, that you may remain in the river only. So he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Let it be according to your word, that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from you, from your houses, from your servants, and from your people. They shall remain in the river only. And he goes and prays, and it's interesting that this is how it happens. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean 
so I'm singing how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for. Enjoy listening to Faith FM? We'd love to hear your story. Let us know on our website at faithfm.com.au or email me on robbie at faithfm.com.au and let's connect today. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Hi, I'm Delaine. Hi, I'm Sunny. Hi, I'm Dragon. Hi, I'm Nigel. And we'd like to invite you to our church. The Southern Illawarra Seventh-day Adventist Church. 
We meet every Saturday morning at 10.30 a.m. to study the Bible, followed by our main service at 11.30 a.m. You can find us at 107 to 109 Princess Highway, Dapto. We are in the High Ninja Hall inside the Dapto Rivenwood Centre. For more information, you can get in touch with us on Facebook. Just search for Southern Illawarra Seventh-day Adventist Church. Or contact us on 0402-716-762. We hope to see you soon and stay tuned to Faith FM. You're listening to Real Faith, but it's not as real as it could be. Why, you ask? Because this isn't the live show. So as good as this is, the live show is where it's really at. Join us every Thursday from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. so you can be involved live. You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. Welcome back to Faith FM. And um, we're doing it. We're doing a little. We don't normally have a, a, a one more segment on here, but I wanted some more so we could get a little bit more in our Bible study. But before we do that, one last chance you can get your question in for question of the week. We still need a caller. So the the book that's giving away today is the Exodus Journey: How to Trust in God Rather Than Having Anxiety in This World That We Live In, and what we can learn from that. Um, in scripture. So first person who calls in with that, you've still got like three minutes left. You can do, and you can call or text in at 0491-064-669, 0491-064-669. We'd love to hear from you. All right. So isn't it amazing that God gives him the extra evidence to Pharaoh to say, not only is God going to intercede and stop this plague, but you tell me when to pray so that you can have extra evidence, Pharaoh, that it wasn't just the plague stopping by itself, but it happened in response to prayer by Moses and Aaron to God. And so he says, tomorrow, tomorrow. And he says, at your word, let it be at your word. Check this out so that you can know that the Lord is God. Verse 12, it says this, then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh. And Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs, which he had brought against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courtyards, and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps. That's a lot of frogs. Heaps. And the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them. As the Lord had said, you know, sometimes in our lives, we fall into this trap of being in a crisis, calling out to God in a crisis. Now, that's not the trap, by the way. That's a good thing. Call out to God in a crisis. But we can sometimes fall into this trap of calling out to God in a crisis, and then God answers, and God solves the problem. And then in response to that, we just kind of forget that God just solved the problem, the problem's fixed, and because things have kind of gone back to normal, we kind of go back to business and usual and forget about continuing that relationship and that dependence on God. I've done this many times in my life, and I'm sure you probably have too, but is this really how we should operate? Pharaoh here has seen a miracle. He's then seen a miraculous response to that miracle in direct answer to prayer on his behalf at the very time that he asked for it. And in response to that, when the problem goes away, he says, "Mm, problem's gone, I'm not interested, and he hardens his heart even further. Isn't that fascinating? And then it continues, verse 16. So the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land. 
so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth, and it became lice on man and beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Man, that would have been a pretty hectic plague. Verse 18, this is where we're going to round it up. It says, Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice. They went about to do it, but they could not. So there were lice on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had said. Oh, this is so this is so powerful. And I, I alluded to this earlier, but I want to I want to labor this point. God does another miracle. This is plague number three, miracle number four that they've seen, right? And in this space, the magicians go about by their secret arts, their 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 worship of, of these pagan deities, their satanic worship, essentially. And what happens here is they try by their secret arts to replicate this miracle with a counterfeit miracle. And they did it once. They did it twice. They did it three times. But when they get to this one, enough is enough. And God says, that's the boundary line. No more are you going to do a counterfeit miracle by the powers of the dark forces of the universe. You are not going to do this by satanic power. You are cut off. Satan is given a little bit of access to do some of his power, but there's a boundary line. And God says, no, no more will you be able to do this because this is evidence of my working. I've seen the mighty power of God That makes the mountains rise That spread the flowing seas abroad And built the lofty skies I sing the wisdom that ordained The sun to rule the day The moon shines full at His command, and all the stars obey. I sing the goodness of the Lord that filled the earth with food. He formed the creatures with His word, and then pronounced them good. Lord, how thy wonders are displayed Where'er I turn my eye If I survey the ground I tread Or gaze upon the sky There's not a plant or flower below But makes thy glories known and clouds arise and tempests blow by order from thy throne. While all that borrows life from thee is ever in thy care. And everywhere that man can be, thou God art present there. Amen. 
are listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. This is Faith FM Radio, and I'm wondering, Shell, what time is it? Awesome. Well, I messed up a couple of things on the station today, and I forgot to mention the number, and we had some, some internet problems, and it didn't get out there. So we didn't end up with a question for the week. But I happened, in all of my sleuthing, to sit down in the studio, which is the same studio where they record the breakfast show in the morning live with Lyle and Lawson, which you should check out from, I think, is it 7 till 9? In the morning, Monday to Friday, which you should check out if you haven't checked out, by the way. Epic show. They do lots of great stuff, lots of cool things, and uh, lots of really cool spiritual insights. So you should check that out in the morning. Shameless plug. But I uh, I happened to share the same studio with them, and I came in. And when I came in, I saw this notebook sitting on the table. And when I picked it up, it had a scrawl that probably looks a little bit like Lyle's handwriting, I'm guessing. And it had a question on it. So if you're a regular listener of The Breakfast Show and you were listening this morning, you probably heard Lyle and Lawson's answer to this question. And uh, I thought we might try our hand at it and see if we are able to shed any extra light. Or you might be able to see whose answer you think is better. Or you might call in later and be like, Robbie, you're wrong. (laughs) I don't know. But we're going to find out. Uh, We're going to have a look at that question. So the question is, which you're probably curious about, is this, and this is a question that I have been asked by even by a dear friend, and I can remember that conversation vividly, this, this visceral memory of this conversation, and I don't have that many memories like that. But the question is this, what is the purpose of the resurrection of the wicked and the second death? Right, so think about this for a moment. Let me just give you a quick timeline of, of how Revelation describes this. It says that, there will be a the second coming of Jesus will take place. All of the righteous who are dead will be resurrected. All of the righteous who are living will be taken up and changed, and they'll be taken with Jesus. It says there'll be a thousand year period that they're with Jesus um, in heaven. That they there'll be there'll be this invest. Uh, what do you call it? The millennial judgment. They'll be looking over the books, the history, the, the the story books, I guess, of people's lives. They're participating in judgment. It says, check this out, right? A thousand years happens. What happens to the wicked at that point? At the second coming, it says in Revelation 19 that the wicked are destroyed by the sword that comes out of his mouth. In other words, the word of Jesus. And Jesus says elsewhere that they will be destroyed by the, so in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, by the breath of his mouth, these things will be destroyed. So here's the question. At the end of the thousand years, the new Jerusalem descends and all of the, the saved are in it. And when it descends, it says that there is a second resurrection. This is, by the way, in Revelation 20 and 21. And we're going to go there now. But in that time frame, it says that the, the wicked are then resurrected. And then there is a judgment that's, that's pronounced upon them. They try to make war with the kingdom of God, etc. And then there is the second death, eternal death, the destruction of the wicked at the end of time. Now, this begs a question. Why not just leave them in their graves why not just leave them dead like that and that's it? Why raise them back to life to have judgment and to destroy them permanently? Which is a very fair question. So I don't know if you've ever asked that question. I have, and I've been asked that question. And I'd just like to share just a couple of thoughts from Scripture and from my own thinking that, that I think help it to make a bit more sense. So a couple of things. I think there's two main reasons that it sticks out to me that God would do this. Because on the one hand, it seems, well, that seems kind of cruel, doesn't it? Why would you raise somebody up to just destroy them permanently? Why, why do they need to go through that ordeal? And I think there's two reasons that stick out to me that are primary. Number one is the evidence that this gives to the universe. Now think about this. Check this out. In Revelation chapter 20, 
it says, at the end of the thousand years, verse, Revelation 20, verse 7, it says, Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. Why? Because it says in verse 5 that the rest of the dead, that is the wicked, did not live again until the end of the thousand years were finished. Let's put two and two together. They are resurrected to, at the end of the millennium, the wicked are resurrected. So how is Satan loosed? Well, Satan, who has been bound to the earth, and there's no one there to deceive anymore, is now got this whole group of resurrected people who had lived wicked lives, etc., and now he can deceive them again. And it says this in verse 8, He will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. And check this out. This is, this is a, a crazy scene. The new Jerusalem is sitting here on the earth, full of the saints of God, come down after the thousand years in heaven. They're here in the new Jerusalem. All of the wicked that have ever lived are resurrected at one time and are on the earth. Satan goes around and convinces them to go to battle against the city of God, against God himself. Check this out, verse 9. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from out of heaven and devoured them. Check this out. Think about this. So if you are resurrected and you see Jesus, you see the kingdom, you see all of this happening— this would seem to me an opportune time if you really recognize that you had done the wicked things that you had done to acknowledge that and to say, I give up. But what's really interesting to me is that this gives kind of like the final little bit of evidence that these people are beyond redemption because they have chosen to say, I don't want it. Because at the end of all things, they see God's city there. They see all the saved in it. It says that the lamb makes his throne in, the, like in this place, right? Think about this. They see that, and their response is, we're going to listen to the devil one more time, and we're going to go and try and kill all of these people that have been saved. Right? This is final evidence, I think, to the whole of the universe. These people are beyond, totally beyond the point of redemption. They are choosing willfully to say, I don't want to be saved. And this is kind of like their lives demonstrated this. They've gone through the history books for a thousand years, but this is the final nail in the coffin. So point number one, why does God resurrect the wicked at the end of time? I think it is the final piece of evidence to the whole universe that these people have chosen themselves not to experience salvation. They don't want it, including the devil himself and the fallen angels. Point number two, not just for everyone else's benefit, but I think that this is also the benefit of some for, for the lost. And I, this is, I can remember vividly this conversation with a very good friend of mine. And he asked me that question. I said, look, I want to tell you right now that if I'm in that group of people, if I'm going to be lost, I need to know, not just die and then have never had the answer to the question. I need to know that if this God is who he says he is, if he is really truly fair and just and loving and merciful, I need to know why. And if he's not going to have the, 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 the upfrontness to, be, to resurrect me, to show me and demonstrate to me at that time, this is the reality of the choices that you made. This is why this is the, the, the situation that you're in. This is the evidence, and this is what you have chosen, and it's on you. I deserve that. I think as a free moral being who is making decisions, I deserve that, and I could have no respect for a God who will not respect me enough to, to allow me to see the reasons for that decision and to understand them fully. And I believe that ultimately this is a merciful act to the universe and to the wicked. Because to live a life permanently like that 
would be hell. John saw a golden city New Jerusalem come down Twelve jasper walls and gates of pearl Such splendor all around And he tells about a river of life That flows beneath the throne Where we'll drink and live eternally In a mansion all our own Oh, if that don't make you want to go curse of sin no sickness and no cross to bear and death can't enter in no fighting and no battlefields no war no enemy where the lamb and lion lay side by side in that land of perfect peace oh if that don't make you want to go brother if that don't make you want to go sister don't make you want to go to heaven I don't know what does You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. This is Faith FM Radio, and it's come to the end of our show today. We're going to do a little bit of a real-life real application. What can we draw out of this? And um, I think, man, we had a Bible study at my house. There's a, a group that meets at my house on a Wednesday night. You, Awesome. Love that group. They're such amazing people. And I always learn amazing things from their thoughts, and it's super cool what, what God teaches you out of Scripture. But what's really neat, in that space is that somebody mentioned last night, you know, what, what can we draw out of this? 
What's the application for real life? Because the reality is head knowledge is great, but if head knowledge never reaches reality, then it's kind of pointless. You can know lots of things and it not be helpful to you in your life. So what can we draw out of this story? What can we learn from this story that is applicable in our own lives that can teach us something that we can take away? And I think there are a number of things. Number one, we are free moral agents. You and I, contrary to what many people would suggest, we have the power of choice. And I tell you what, that is one of the greatest, if not, I personally think that's the greatest gift that God has ever given us, is the the, the freedom to choose. Because that means that we are actually free. We actually have the ability to decide our future. Right When we talk about God being in control, we talk about it's sometimes I think we misunderstand what we're trying to say because God is in control, but he's not, he's not in control in the sense that an authoritarian is in there dictating every little thing that you do all the time. God says, these are the boundaries. These are the plans. This is the stuff. But then he also says, here's a million things that you can choose to do freely about that are within the boundary line, right? You can eat all the trees of the garden except for that one. So much choice. And we have so much freedom, and we just we forget the power of choice. And I love this. Neither God nor the devil can force us against our own will to believe or to disbelieve. Nobody has that authority or that power to take that from you. God gives you that inalienable right of freedom to choose and freedom to deal with the consequences. And it, it can't be taken from you because God protects that, right? Love cannot exist without freedom of choice. So Pharaoh's heart grows hard in this story, and we hear it multiple times. It's said different ways, but here's the point. Pharaoh's heart grew hard as he chose to respond to the evidences laid before him. He saw miracles that God did. He saw counterfeit miracles. We've now gotten to a point in the story where he sees a miracle. He sees the the magicians try to counterfeit the miracle, but they cannot. And he sees that only God can take away the miraculous event that has happened. Right? It's only God who can take away the frogs. It's only God who can take away the lice. It's only God who can take away right any of these things. And so they see that. He sees this, and he chooses to honor the path that's confirmed for him by the satanic agencies rather than the ones that are confirmed by the God of the universe. He chooses whom to believe, just like Adam and Eve in the garden chose whom they would believe. There are always reasons that people make choices. Like you choose for one reason or another, this, that, or the other, but this does not change the fact that you have a choice. Your choice is the most powerful gift that's given to you. Let us soften our hearts to the promptings of God's spirit so that we can choose to respond to what he is doing rather than to choose to respond to everything else and to harden our hearts towards him. And I believe that's what God's calling to us today to not harden our hearts, but to choose to look at the evidences that he has put forward and to respond softened in response to him, to hear him and to respond. I think that's what we're really, something really important to draw out of the story. That is powerful. You have that. Nobody can take that from you. You have the choice to choose whom you will worship. No one can force you. It's your choice. And I love that. That's the most, well, I think it's the most amazing thing about God. There are many amazing things, but I think that is foundational. Something else we can take out of this story. Sometimes we might cry out to God in times of need, but then God intervenes and does something, takes away the issue, solves the problem. What do we do after that? Do we choose to respond to God in faithfulness after the problem has gone away, or do we just call out to God in a crisis, he fixes it, and then we go back to what we were doing 
the same way as we were doing it before. And I think this is something that everybody is challenged with. Do we, like Pharaoh, forget and turn our back once the problem is solved, or do we respond like Moses and Aaron did? And by the way, remember, it's not just like God says, hear, obey, don't ask questions. There's no room for reasoning. There's no room for discussion. Because remember, in Exodus 3 and 4, Moses is called by God to do something, and he doesn't want to do it. So he discusses with God, and there's this back-and-forth conversation. Hearing God and responding in faith doesn't necessarily mean that you never asked a question, that you never wrestled or struggled through it, just like Monica's story in our Testify segment. Sometimes we run, and we've done the wrong thing, and we've, we've kind of avoided the issue, but God hasn't stopped chasing. So when we change our mind and we choose to respond and to hear him, we've, we've, he's, he's gentle and he's accepting of that, and I love that. Another thing we can take out of this, sometimes people harden their hearts to the point where they they position themselves to not be able to believe anyone. Does that make sense? Like sometimes we harden our hearts so much that we can't even look at the evidences anymore. Like like somebody's knocking on the door and you walk into the, the next room so it gets a little softer. And then you walk further and further until it's it's you know, you're so far away from the door that you have a hard time even hearing that there's a knock anymore. Sometimes we do this, and I, it doesn't mean that necessarily we're beyond the point of God speaking to us, but it makes it harder for us to hear him sometimes. And I think a friend of mine said this, we make our choices, and in the end, our choices make us. We choose, but then those choices change the trajectory of our life. So there is so much power in our choice. One last thing that I want to share briefly is I think one thing that we can learn from this story is resilience. Moses could have given up on the first go. In fact, he goes back to God on the first going. He's like, hey, you did nothing, God. There's still It's worse than it was before. But God says, go again. And so he goes again. And then it gets worse. And then he says, go again. And he goes again, and it's not working. And he says, go again. And he goes again, and it's still not working. And it's going to continue for a little bit longer. But resilience is necessary. We have to endure hardship at times to achieve the outcomes that we're reaching for, to achieve the goals. And that even applies in God's mission. Even when God calls us to a work, there still is a need for resilience. So I hope that you can take some of that stuff away into your real life. Stick around for drive time. Our discussion topic for next week is if you could ask Jesus to change one problem in the world today, what would it be? And remember, my friends, that real faith is lived faith.